today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. He especially hates the Christian marriage. You know why, right? Because of what the Christian marriage represents. It's a microcosm, a type of our marriage to the Lamb, our bridegroom, Jesus the Christ, with us as the bride. And by the way, the reason why he hates the Christian marriage and the Christian family with it, and certainly the Christian church, is because it is a microcosm of our relationship in heaven. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. Anything that points to Christ, the devil will try to tear down. Anytime God gets the glory, the evil one will try to steal the show. As Pastor J.D. shares in today's message, this is why Christian marriage is under attack. The marriage between a man and woman points to the relationship between Christ and the church. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 60 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. And then he also goes on later to say that whatever you do for the least of these my brethren, that's the Jews, you do to me, for me. So it could be, I don't know, I guess we'll find out soon enough, but if it's here in God's Word, it's going to happen during the millennium. All of those that persecuted and despised Israel will bow down to Israel. Verse 15, whereas you have been forsaken and hated, the most hated people on the face of the earth in the history of mankind. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated, so that no one went through you, I will make you an eternal excellence a joy of many generations. You shall drink the milk of the Gentiles and milk the breast of kings. You shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Hang on to that for just a moment. Verse 17, instead of bronze, I will bring gold. Instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. And instead of stones, iron. I will also make your officers peace and your magistrates righteousness. Violence, verse 18, shall no longer be heard in your land, neither wasting nor destruction within your borders. But, I like this, you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Oh, I like the sounds of that. I like this a lot. Now I realize it speaks to this transformation that will take place yet future concerning Israel, ultimately fulfilled in the millennium. And again, for the purpose of God being glorified. Uh, you know, I think about Ezekiel 38, a prophecy, again, yet future, very a well-known prophecy about this alliance of nations that invades Israel to take a spoil. 
Many believe it will take place after the rapture. Uh, We don't know. We can't know for sure. But there is this prophecy in Ezekiel 38, yet future, when Russia, Iran, Turkey, and this alliance of nations, oh, by the way, breaking news this last week. Uh, Did you hear about this? Russia and Iran are joining together with China for a military, oh, with the, (laughs) oh man, it's, oh, I wish I could. But God, when you get to the end of this prophecy in Ezekiel 38, God declares, these, by the way, this is throughout again scripture. He says, I'm going, I got this. That's a very loose paraphrase, but basically that's what he's saying. I, I got, I got you. I got you. They are going to suffer a devastating defeat and it will be swift. Some Bible scholars and commentators believe it will take place within a period of about 24 hours. And it's game over, not for Israel, but for this alliance of nations that invades Israel. So they come against Israel, and God says, just, I got this, watch me now. And he defeats them and destroys them, and it is a decisive defeat. I mean decisive defeat. So there's no mistake, there's no question, there's no, hmm, I wonder if it was because, nope, yeah, but what about the idea? Nope. Yeah, but Israel's very advanced. Nope. You know why? Because <laughs> I did it. So that they will know that I am the Lord your God. That's why. In other words, I get all the glory. I get the credit for this one. You can't, even if you wanted to. Even if you tried, you cannot take the credit for what I alone did, because I alone get all the glory for that which I alone can do. You couldn't do that. Are you kidding me? Against this massive alliance? It's a setup. I actually allowed them to do that so I could boast on myself. That's what he's doing here. Can we just talk just a moment about this, uh, the walls being called salvation? What's the name of the walls? Salvation. And the gates, what's, what's the name of those gates? Praise. I like both those words. <laughs> salvation and praise? Again, we're talking about a prophecy yet future, But if you really think about it, this is applicable to us now. And here's how I get there. The walls to our homes, our lives, can be called salvation. And the gates to our homes and our lives can be called praise. No more wasting or destruction. Because, see, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Mass destruction. He wants to destroy our marriages. He wants to destroy our families. He wants to destroy our kids. He wants to destroy our churches. He especially hates the Christian marriage. You know why, right? Because of what the Christian marriage represents. 
It's a microcosm, a type of our marriage to the Lamb, our bridegroom, Jesus the Christ, with us as the bride. And by the way, the reason why he hates the Christian marriage and the Christian family with it, and certainly the Christian church, is because it is a microcosm of our relationship in heaven. I mean, we're siblings in Christ. You've ever thought of it like that? Just that one word can change the whole complexion. Now if I say, hey, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen, brother. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, cool. But when you say, hey, we're siblings. Huh? Now that's, maybe that's why there's sibling rivalry in the body of Christ, the family of God. But it's a microcosm of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We're children of God. We're the bride of Christ. We're siblings in Christ. And that's why the enemy hates the Christian marriage, the Christian family. And I think we need look no further than to the measure of success that he's been met with in destroying the families. And he takes out the man. That's the bullseye. You smite the shepherd, you scatter the sheep. Man, if he can get that man, the man of the house, man of the house. Well, that's an old phrase, isn't it? Is the, is the man of the house in? <laughs> I'm the man of the house. I'm the man. I wear the pants in my family. My wife tells me which pair, but I still wear the pants in my family. I'm the head of my home. Of course, my wife's the neck. She tells me which way to turn, but I'm the head of my home. I'm the head of the house. And Satan goes right for the head. And how many families have been destroyed? Why? Because the walls were not salvation. The gates were not praise. That home became a sitting duck. I don't mean to flip it around on such a downer note, but it's true. That's why as the spiritual leaders in our homes, men, We need to man up. You'll forgive me for using that phrase. We need to man up. We need to take the lead. And let me define take the lead. And this again, just for the guys, okay? This is really important. Please hear me out on this. We don't just take the lead when, hey, taking the lead, I'm the the head of this home. How about taking the lead when it comes to leading the way in repentance. How about being the spiritual leader and leading your family to the cross? I mean, we, we want to take the lead because we're the man of the house, but uh, that's not really what being the leader spiritually is. You're taking spiritual leadership. You're leading your family to the Lord and the things of the Lord and the ways of the Lord. You know what's sad? It's really sad, and I feel so bad for the wife when the husband, who should be the spiritual leader, abdicates his leadership in the home and forces the wife to take that leadership role. She was not called or even wired, for lack of a better word, to do that. That's not how God wired her. 
God gave that to the man. And by the way, this goes back to the garden, and I probably should, in all fairness, bring this into the discussion. You know, when, again, the curse was pronounced and the woman's labor would be increased, he told Eve, that your labor in giving birth to a child, your birth pains will be be increased. And then another part of that curse to the woman would be that your desire would be for your husband. Now, when I was a young Christian, I thought, cool, my wife is going to desire me as her husband. That's not what that means. You know what that means? You will desire to usurp your husband's leadership role. And you go throughout Scripture, and when you find men not leading, God raises up a woman. That is an indictment on the man. That is an indictment on the man. Where are the men? Where are the men? It is a sad indictment on a church, not this church. When you have no men, and the women have to step up and take on that role of leadership in a church because there are no men to take the lead. And you've got women doing what, you know, bless their hearts, but you've got women doing what the men should be doing. And it's not just in the home, it's in the church too. And that's a sad commentary, I have to say. See, women need that spiritual covering. That's the way God made them. And we as men, as the husbands, are the head. Now here's my thought, and I don't want to go into a whole teaching on this, but this is very important. When you've got a a man that is submitted to the Lord, you will find a wife that has submitted that man. And when you find a man that is submitted to the Lord, you will find a man that is also loving his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You know, whenever I do a wedding, I always ask the couple's permission first. I've gotten in trouble a couple of times, but that's the go-to passage, is Ephesians chapter 5, about Paul says three times to the man, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Love your wives as you love your own body. I have yet to meet a man that doesn't love his body. He always checks his body out when he walks by a, a window and, you know, sucks it in. And, and then three times he says to the husband, love your wife. And then he gets to the wife. One time, it's like four words, wives, respect your husbands. Yeah, four words. Really? That's it? Wait, three times. You just got done beat me up. Love your wife, love your wife, love your wife. Wife, respect him. That's uh, not bow. That's not right. Wait a minute. No. I mean, again, notice he doesn't say, wives, love your husbands. That's not the problem. No, the, the wife is to respect her husband. Well, now that's a problem. Because <laughs> The wife isn't going to respect the husband who doesn't love her. So the onus is on the husband. You show me a husband that loves his wife like that, I'll show you a wife that has no problem submitting to her husband and respecting her husband. And is that not what we as husbands want? We want our wives to respect us. 
show me some respect. Well, show me some love. I'll show you some respect. And then here's the husband, well, I'm not going to love you till you respect me. That doesn't work like that. Nice try. Three times. Three times. Love your wife, love your wife, love your wife. Doesn't even talk to the wife about respecting your husband until he tells the husband three times, love your wife. What he's saying is, by the Holy Spirit, if you love your wife, she'll respect you. It's just the way God wired her, and the onus is on you. I'm so convicted right now. We're going to go ahead and finish up verse 19. The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you, but the Lord will be to you an everlasting light, and your God your glory. There it is again. This comports with revelation. This is weird, I know, and it jams a lot of people's gears, but in, (laughs) we're not going to have the sun. The UV rays. No. You know what's going to light up heaven? The Lord. I know that's weird, especially for us in Hawaii. No sun, and it's even worse than that. There's no ocean. No ocean? How am I going to surf? Well, you just have to get the surfing out of the way in the millennium. But in eternity future, the new heavens and the new earth, there's no sea, there's no sun. He's the light. Ah, we'll find out soon enough how that's going to work. I don't think anyone is going to be in heaven going, aww, I wish we had the sun. (laughs) No, I mean it's going to be sunshman. (laughs) Whoa, we got the Lord. He lights up heaven. Verse 20, your son shall no longer go down. Well, that's a good thing. I guess if you don't have a sun, you don't have a sunset. Nor shall your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, shall be ended. Verse 21, also, your people shall all be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I... Are you getting tired of hearing about God's glory? I hope not, because it's here it is. That I, I, keyword, may be glorified. A little one, verse 22, shall become a thousand and a small one, a strong nation, and then here's how the chapter ends, and I want to just talk about this for a moment. I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. What? Wait, what do you mean? That's kind of a curious promise. You're going to hasten it? Okay. Does that mean you're going to speed it up? Um, Expedite it? I'm all for that. I mean, how many times do we pray? I prayed every Sunday after the prophecy update, Lord, come quickly. Hasten your coming. Don't delay your coming. Yesterday would would be great for you to come. So what does this mean? Well, 
We can better understand this as when it's time, that's the qualifier, when it's time, God will not delay any longer. It's time. And He'll hasten it when it's time in its time. I just thought of this, Ecclesiastes, remember that famous verse? We've, we sing it, we know it. He makes all things beautiful in His time. His time is perfect because He's perfect. It's been said that God is never late, but neither is He early either. And truth be made known, we don't want Him to be early. His timing is always perfect. And so what he's emphasizing here through the prophet Isaiah is that his time is perfect. And when it's time, in his time, he's like, all right, let's do it. And he hastens, rushes in, because it's time. We're not going to delay any longer. It's time. The time has come. When it's time, that's it. (laughs) He's going to do it. Now what's the application for us? And we'll end with this. Well, so too is this true for us now. And what a time to have a promise like this. Because we don't know the day or the hour. We can know it's soon and it's close, and boy is it. Are you kidding me? I mean, I'm looking at everything that is happening and the swiftness with which it's happening. And I know this is a silly way to say it, but when I go to Costco, I try not to buy green bananas. I don't know if they're going to be, you know, if I'm going to be there. I told you it was a silly illustration, but you got the point. That's how quickly it can be hastened when it's time. When that time comes, that's it. We're out of here. We're out of here. No more delay. Can't wait. Lord, come quickly. I hope you're encouraged. I am. I know I am. (laughs) Oh my goodness. See, i got to own this before I can impart this. You cannot give to somebody something you don't have. i I got to own this before I get up here and teach this. And sometimes that's a good thing, because I get to really know this, and when I get up here to teach this, I mean, it's... It's like, I can't wait to share this because this is so encouraging. Can you imagine how encouraging this must have been to them then? In captivity in Babylon. And then God gives them this promise, this prophecy. It's time. Rise and shine. The light has come. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Lord, I pray that this chapter will have the much-needed effect on us, as it did for your people then, to encourage and strengthen. Knowing that we have this to look forward to makes whatever we're going through easier to get through, because this is going to happen when the time comes. And it's going to be all for your glory. And to that, Lord, we say, Maranatha. Jesus, come quickly. 
Lord, come. Come quickly, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you think that the gospel is only in our first four books of the New Testament, you'll quickly learn through this book of Isaiah that the gospel is mentioned throughout. It must have been interesting for Isaiah to write the things he did in the course of his life. He was a prophet used by God who lived while several kings of Judah reigned. From their outright wicked behavior to a king like Hezekiah, Isaiah experienced the people living in rebellion and then turning toward God, realizing their need for him. God used Isaiah in a mighty way to influence these kings and to speak to them about what was yet to come. God can use you in the place you're at today as well. It may not seem as influential or powerful of a position, but God has you right where he wants you, to use you in the place you are. Are you involved in a local church? If not, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can get directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for our next edition as we learn more valuable things from this interesting book of Isaiah right here on In Spirit and Truth.